Okay. You remember what the first candle we lit? The very first one? <laughs> you remember last week's? Last week's was peace. The week before that? Hope, peace. And so what's today? Joy. Is that what you were going to say too? Okay. So today, hope, peace, and now joy. Let me share the Scripture with you. We read that, which is one that we've already shared before, but it ties again with this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great... What's the candle? Joy. Very good. A great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those in whom He is pleased. Can you imagine? First, there's just one angel and this is a multitude of angels. And a multitude is a word in Scripture that can mean thousands upon thousands. I can't imagine the glory of something like that. And uh, those shepherds were blessed and of course their response was immediately to go to Bethlehem and see what they were telling them. So, those are our three candles. And then next week, we we light the last candle. So, we have hope, and we have peace, and we have lo- uh, joy, and we have love. Very good. You, I, you started to say it, and it got ahead of me. Okay, so we have, uh, we'll light that candle next week. And then Sunday, uh, Sunday night is Christmas Eve service. We light the last candle, which is called the Christ candle. And that will be in the very center of the of the Advent wreath there. So uh, we have our catechism here. It's question number ten. What does God require in the fourth and fifth commandments? Fourth, that on the Sabbath day we spend time in worship of God, and fifth, that we love and honor our father and our mother. Okay, you are dismissed for your children's session. Last week, before we sang Joy to the World, Brad shared uh, a scripture that was the, the foundation for this song, where uh, Isaac Watts, it was, it was his inspiration for the song, Psalm 98. And uh, today, that will be our focus in our message 
Psalm 98. Uh, we lit the, the Advent candle joy, and so the message today is focused on joy and rejoicing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace, all that You have given us. We thank You, Lord, as we celebrate both the first Advent, Your coming, and Your second Advent, that You are coming again. Thank You for the, the, the hope being accomplished of the Old Testament in, in the first Advent, and as we look ahead into the second Advent, the hope You have given us that it will occur. It will happen. And we rest with confidence in that. Thank You that we could come today and celebrate uh, and, and worship You. And we ask that You would open our hearts and our minds to Your Word. Cause us to be able to set the distractions of the season so that we can focus on the reason. In Jesus' name, Amen. What I'd like to do first is just to read Psalm 98 in its entirety and then we'll break it down a little. O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand, His holy arm, have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, and with lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for, uh, for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. There's basically three parts to this psalm. There's three little sections to it, each three verses long. So verses 1 through 3 perfect, pretty much look at the first advent. Verses 4 through 6 tend to look at our response to that advent, and then 7 and 8 seem to more push towards looking ahead to the second advent of Christ. And so we have uh, the, the focus again of this, of this psalm, though, is to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And the first question comes down to uh, some, a, a definition for joy. And normally, you know, in our, in our culture today, we think of joy more in the terms of happiness, something that makes you feel good, this type of thing. But that is not the meaning of this word from the Scripture. Joy, uh, let's look at happiness first. Uh, how would you characterize happiness? Anybody want to offer or venture a thought? How would you characterize happiness? Huh? Doing good, feeling good, feeling good. Okay. Uh, happiness, in fact, that's a good description because happiness is a feeling. It's based on uh, circumstances, and it goes. It can be up or it can be down. Some days can be good and some days are not so good. 
And so your happiness is like this. Okay? From the Scripture's point of view, joy is to be a constant. In fact, it's to be a constant ever moving ahead higher. And it's a state of being. It's actually part of who you are. It's a constant. And so we look at joy and, and as, as something that has to have its focus in something that is constant. And that's what this is all about in Psalm 98. Psalm 98 starts off, Sing unto the Lord a new song. We are told uh, here a, to sing a new song. And, and the question should come to you as to what is a new song. And what we have here is your testimony, basically. What is your testimony? And normally, uh, when we start to think about a, a testimony... Uh, people say, well, I got saved. You know, for me, if you ask me what my testimony is, I might start with, well, on August 15th, 1976, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. Uh, two weeks later, I was baptized at a church in, Fort, in Atascadero, California. And, you know, I could go on and, and talk about my early walk, and that's generally what we do when we give a testimony. However, this word is tied to a new song, or we could say a fresh song. And what is implied here is, what is your current testimony? In other words, what's happening between you and God now? Uh, Paul tells the, the, uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy to be ready to give a, a testimony as well as he says the same thing in, uh, when Peter writes in uh, chapter 3, verse 15 of 1 Peter about being ready to give a, a purpose, a reason for the way you feel, the way you are. As people look at you when they ask, what is, uh, why are you like you are? What they're saying is, what is your testimony? And your testimony needs to be fresh. I can, I can remember uh, lots of times in, in revival meetings uh, back in the 60s and 70s, or back in the 70s, um, people uh, would be asked to come forward and share their testimony. And like I said, they would talk about the day they were saved, and, and all of that kind of, of stuff. And that's a good thing to share. Don't misunderstand. But it needs to be concluded with something fresh that God is doing because God is not still. He's not, he, it's not something that just happened. It is an ongoing relationship, and there should be something fresh going on in your relationship. So when we sing a new song, we are asking the Lord to deal with us where we are. And I can give you an example of one that has mixed emotion in it in the sense of, of, of the reason that it's, it was given in Psalm 51. We're familiar with, with uh, David and his fall uh, with Bathsheba. And Psalm 51 is a relationship to that uh, situation. It's about that. And the first thing that, that, that he does is he cries out, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Notice again that word, steadfast love. It's in our Psalm 98 as well. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. And, and so... He's he's sharing that, that, that you know I know what my sin is and, I, and it's before me and then he says later on in the same psalm 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So here's a testimony that we would look at and say, you know, it's one of someone confessing their sin and then asking God to renew them with a confidence that He's going to do it because of His steadfast love for us. And so we have various forms of our testimony, things that we share uh, that God has done for us. And, and it can be where He's delivered you from something, uh, maybe an, an illness or a situation, or he, you can say, man, I, I must, God had to be with me in that situation. I looked around me and, and there was an accident on the freeway and I just missed it and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, I look at it and my grandmother, uh, when I was probably about four, she had made the determination. She said that uh, I'd kept my uh, guardian angel in overtime. And I will tell you all the things that I did get to that point. But, but uh, you know, it was, uh, I was a very busy toddler. And uh, the, the reality is, is that I can, I can see certain situations where I should have been dead. I was run over. And I was run over diagonally, so my head got caught under the wheel as well. Uh, and yet I came out without, without any uh, bleeding marks. I was skinned up and stuff like that, but no blood. And I didn't have a single broken bone. And I... Uh, the uh, I, I had a uh, situation where I thought I would mimic my mother, who was a smoker, and so I got into the hall closet. I was about two, and I got some straws and and uh, the lighter off the coffee table, and I was going to try to smoke. So I lit the straw. Well, back in in the fifties. <laughs> Straws were made out of wax paper, basically, and it just—they just go poof and fall to the floor of the the linen closet where I was trying to do this. And I, I tried again and again and again, and all of a sudden the linen closet started filling with smoke, and I was out and collapsed at the floor. My sister sees the smoke coming out from underneath the door of the linen closet when she walks by so she opens the door and as soon as it got the oxygen it just burst into flames I didn't have a hair left on my body but I didn't have a single burn those are things where you look, you know my grandmother would be praising and was praising God for the way he protected me and covered me and I believe that she was accurate and I believe after all the things that I've been through I'm still here and so I see where God's hand has been in many cases. And so we have many things to thank God for. And, and, not, and, and those are the physical things that we see where God has moved, and maybe in our family and, and through different situations and through friends that we've seen and, and, and where God has moved. But the biggest thing we need to thank Him for, we actually have listed here in Psalm 98. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And... and uh, the reason we're doing this is because He has done marvelous things. And I was looking at this saying, okay, what are the marvelous things that He has done? 
as far as this psalm is concerned, it says, His right hand, His holy arm, have worked salvation for Him. Now, who sits at the right hand of God? By the way, people say, well, that was after the resurrection. Jesus emptied Himself. He left His position of authority, right hand of God, and now He's returned to it. That was, okay. So we're talking about Jesus Christ here, the right hand of God. And it says that He has worked salvation for Him. So there's the beginning of marvelous things. The Lord has made known His salvation. He not only has done it, He has made it known so that we can enter into it. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of nations. And then I love this picture. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness. So he's, he's this marvelous things that he's done, the salvation that he's given us, that he's revealed his righteousness, his holiness. By the way, the revealing of his righteousness, his holiness, actually shows us as that we need salvation. We need somebody to save us because we cannot enter into his holiness because we don't have it. We know that as he reveals his holiness and what it takes to move into his presence, we realize we've sinned. And we can't enter into His presence but through His grace in Jesus Christ. Now we enter into His presence. And so we are given that through His righteousness and then His steadfast love. How many of you recall the the chorus that was very popular back in the, the 70s and 80s? The steadfast love of the Lord never... What? Never ceases. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and it is new what? Every morning. That was a, a Scripture song. And, in this, so it, and then it ends with the same thing the song does. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It is new every morning, which means... Every day his, He pours out fresh grace, fresh love on us. He, and in Scripture and, and Ephesians, it says He lavishes His grace on us. This is the God that created the universe is in this intimate relationship with us through Jesus Christ who has brought salvation. And through Jesus Christ, we can enter into the presence of God and His holiness. His love never ceases. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So what is the response to that? Well, in verse 4, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, the idea of noise really is a broad statement. Uh and it depends on, on the circumstances as to what that noise may be. But the idea is, is that we are to be ready to shout to the Lord our praises. Look at Psalm 100. It's just right next to Psalm 98 there. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Now that the Lord He know that the Lord is, <clears throat> Lord He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. 
We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. And here again, His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. We are to praise, to, to, to sing praises and, 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 and give praise to Him. And so it says that here in, in, in verse 4, our response, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. And then it says, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. Now, the lyre was a stringed instrument, a small harp. And so, for us, with what we have today, we are able to say, praise the Lord with stringed instruments. And then it goes on. With the lyre and the sound of melody. The sound of melody would be the sound of voices singing the songs. With trumpets and the sound of horns. Wind instruments. Strings, wind instruments, and loud singing. Singing that is strong and driven because what God has done for us. So here's our first response. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. There should be something that happens in our heart that makes us want to sing to the Lord. To praise the Lord. And within the framework of this idea of, of, of you know, being with the Lord is, is to be also reading His Word. We have His Word to, for us to read for comfort, for strength, for rejoicing. The Psalms, the Gospels are a good place to start. And, and just as you go through them, be amazed at what God has done. When I was uh, first challenged to read the New Testament from a different point of view, I, read, I had been reading the New Testament for a number of years with a very critical spirit, for the lack of better words. And uh, and my goal was to look at see if I could find things that were contradictions and tear apart. And I thought I was doing pretty good with that. You know, I'd say, well, this says this and this says this. Well, they were two different situations, and I didn't know enough about the Bible to to be able to discern that. So I would say, oh, look, contradiction. And uh, I uh, ended up by a, a challenge of a of a man I don't know the name of who I had a breakfast with because it was the only seat available in the restaurant. He was sitting by himself and uh, I, I bet you we sat there for two hours. Uh, and no quick conversion, but he did convince me to read the New Testament Gospels with the understanding that these guys believed what they were writing. Not that they, they had good reason to believe it or anything, just that they were believing that what they wrote. And I'll tell you, as I sat in my spray booth instead of working on the furniture I was supposed to be finishing, uh, I, I, I read the Gospel of John, which is where he told me to start. Not because it was the love gospel, but because it was the one that really showed the, the, the Christ in the context of I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so I read through it and I thought, okay. So I read Luke, then Mark, and then Matthew. My wife said I always did things backwards. And uh, I uh, came home. I think I've shared this before with you, but 
I came home and my wife asked me what I had done, you know, you know that, you know, what furniture I'd worked on and stuff like that. And I said, well, actually, I was supposed to finish that chair. Oh, she says, that lady called. Is it done? <laughs> and I said, no. And she said, uh-oh. She said, what did you do? I said, well, I sat in that chair in the spray booth and read the Gospels. And like I say, you could have walked into her mouth. Because I had just said weeks before, just don't bother me with this stuff. And so this idea, this man shared me his testimony. And he was praising God for things that God had done. And it was a very contemporary thing. It wasn't just that God saved him, but what God had done recently in his life. And he was enthusiastic about it. <coughs> Excuse me. So he shared these things with me and, and praising God. Uh, another uh, psalm in reading, uh, just to, to tack it in here a little bit, uh, Psalm uh, 103, and uh, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. So as you praise Him, what are the benefits? What are the things that He's done for you? He saved you. He's, he's guaranteed heaven. He's, he's the mansion that is yours in Him. We can start going through all the things that we can think of. And forget not all of His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. <clears throat> he will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with this according to our sins. He does not deal with us according to our sins. If He did, not one of us would be here today. You realize your sin, the penalty for sin is death. But it wasn't the idea wasn't death out here someplace. It was, oh, you sinned, goodbye. <laughs> that was the penalty for sin but He put off the judgment. He put off the pain of the penalty. Why? Because it was always His plan to intervene. And so, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. The picture here is, is to be understood is a linear line going one going east and one going west. And I'm I'm not a great math student, but I know at least remember the, about the linear lines with an arrow on the end of it. it. Means they go infinitely in both directions, which means they never come back to meet. That's he's thrown them away in such a way that they never come back on you. The other one says into the deepest sea, another place, and and I always put and he put up a no fishing sign. 
because our temptation is to get into a situation where we, we sin again and we think, oh, just like when I... But that's gone. His mercies, His, His love, His, His grace, all of it is poured out unto us and it's fresh, new, every morning. And so as far as uh, the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. And the idea of fearing Him is to be in awe of Him and in a relationship with Him. If you're in a relationship with the Lord, this is true for you. Our ultimate joy is found in His, in, in, in His grace and forgiveness of sins. His steadfast love for us in our salvation, in our walking with the Lord. I think of uh, John 15 where Jesus told us, you know, He used the picture of the vine and the branches. And he basically the conclusion is that in order for our walk to be effective and our relationship to be one that would will grow and mature, we need to abide in Christ is accessible. It's not something that's unreachable. He is right here with us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. The moment we confess Christ as our Savior, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And the avenue of communication between Christ and the Father are open to us. We talk to the Father through Jesus Christ, our our mediator, our high priest. And His joy is made full, or His joy is made complete. The joy of our salvation. And then, in Psalm 98, we are given a picture, a glimpse, of the second coming. Let me read those verses again, starting with verse 7. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it, Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For He comes to judge the earth. And He will judge the world with righteousness and His people with equity. The sea roars. The rivers clap. The hills sing for joy. And we're saying that, you know, those are probably metaphors as to to just sounding. But you've got to understand that creation is, is spoken of in the Scriptures as longing for the second coming of Christ because what's going to happen? All things will be made new. And so, in a sense, even creation is crying out for the return of Christ. Maranatha comes through, Lord Jesus. And, and wanting everything to come back to its original, to its meant purpose. Because He comes. And it says He will judge with righteousness, which means holiness. And and, and equity, which means fairly. And with us who are in Christ, He judges us through Jesus Christ. That's the fairness. And some of you will say, well, what's fair about that? It's because of what Christ did for us on the cross. 
Christ says, you receive me, you receive my paid in full. It is finished from the cross. And you have eternal life. And God's steadfast love covers you eternally forever. Like we already said, behold, I make all things new. So I just wrote a a brief thought here. Rejoice all you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, His salvation. Share a verse with a closing thought here. In Romans chapter 13, or 15, excuse me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We've covered our candles for the week up to this point in this one verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Have a confidence in a hope. This abounding hope has this idea of assurance. What He says will happen, will happen. It's not something that might happen, or we hope it happens, but that we hope because we know it's going to happen. In communion, Again, from Psalm 98, reading the first verses, the Lord has made His no, has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness. He has remembered His steadfast love. As we share in communion the emblems of what Christ did for us on the cross, His body and His blood are the emblems bread and the cup that we share together. Let's sing a song. Go forward and grab either the two cups that are prepared or the prepared packets. One day when heaven was filled with His praises One day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin. Well, among men, my example is here. The Word became flesh and the light shined among us. His glory revealed. Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried. My sins far away 
rising he justified freely forever one day you coming oh glorious day oh glorious day one day they led him up calvary's mountain one day they nailed him to die on a tree Suffering anguish Sighed and rejected Bearing our sins My Redeemer is He The hands that healed nations Stretched out on the tree Took the nails for me Living He loved me Dying He saved me Buried He carried my sins far away Rising He justified Freely forever One day He's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day One day the grave could Conceal Him no longer one day the stone rolled away from the door Then he arose over death he had conquered Now is ascended, my Lord evermore Death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him From rising again, living he loved me Dying He saved me, buried He carried my sins far away. Rising He justified, freely forever. One day He's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. Trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one bringing. My Savior Jesus is mine. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried. My sins far away Rising He justified Freely forever One day He's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Matthew chapter 26 Matthew writes this in reference to the Lord's Supper 
Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it, and He gave it to the disciples, and He said, Take, eat, this is My body. Let us share. And He took a cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us share the cup. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here together, to gather around the table, to break bread together. We thank you for these emblems that remind us of your sacrifice, that you emptied yourself, became a servant, a man, a servant to man, even a servant to the point of the cross. We ask, Lord, that you would cause the wonderful things that you have done for us to be a center of joy in our lives in such a way that we become accustomed to looking around us and saying, and seeing things that, that remind us that You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the author of our salvation. And we rest with confidence in Your grace, Your mercy, Your love, Your steadfast love. Again, we worship You, we pray to You. We thank You for this opportunity this season to remember Your coming into this world. But let us not stop there, but to continue daily moving through all that You have done, causing Your Word to be real to us and alive to us. Cause us to grow as we read, new understanding, seeing what Scripture goes with another Scripture, sometimes for the first time as we read it and the excitement that comes from that. We worship again. We praise. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? I have a scripture that I want to share with you from the epistle of Jude. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for being here this morning.
on Bethlehem's name. Gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising voices raising, worshipping God on high. Oh, star of Star of night, star with royal beauty bright, west with leading, still proceeding, guide us to that perfect light. Her is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a light of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding. And uh, then uh, again at 3.30, the, the bell concert. 